Welcome to What's Your Hustle? As most of us face financial uncertainty and want to build a better, secure financial future, in this new episode, I sit down with an entrepreneur, educator, and advocate for leveling up, especially your wealth. Rochelle and I have a conversation about the struggles of paying off debt, burnout, building generational wealth, and the toll it takes on one's mental health. So let's get into it. Here's What's Your Hustle, the financial fix-up, with my guest, Rochelle Christopher. Hey listeners, it's Alima with What's Your Hustle, and we're back with a brand new episode. I hope you all had a great summer. I had a wonderful summer. At the beginning of summer, more like spring, I was able to attend the Women of Diversity Summit Awards in Toronto for 2022 as a nominee, as an influencer, which is a great honor because I was nominated among many different women of different hustles, of different walks of life that did inspiring work. And they were boss-ass bitches and on entrepreneurs and just great women just to be around and feed off of and learn off of and create relationships and connections that, you know, are, that lead to the synergy of, of learning and developing and growth. And one of those people that I met was Rochelle Christopher. Rochelle is here with me for our first episode of the season and I just want to welcome you. Thank you for being a guest on the first episode of the season. Thanks for inviting me. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Who is the person behind the financial fix-up? So the person behind the financial fix-up is someone that is a full-time music teacher by day, but a financial educator by night. And what is the financial fix-up? So the financial fix-up was something I started. Um, a group of my university friends during the pandemic, we all you know, started to talk about some of the businesses they were running. At the time, I didn't have a business or even the financial fix-up yet, but I was telling them about how I had paid off my debt. And they was were like, you need to share this with other people. And so the blog started, that's how I started first. And then I also started an Instagram page. And essentially the purpose of it was for me to share with others how I paid off my debt and some of the things I learned along the way and that I'm still learning um, in managing my finances. I really want to encourage people to find the confidence they need in order to manage their finances because it's not nearly as difficult as they think. What does a financial education entail? Well, for me, I'm like I have not gone to school financial education. However, I've done a lot of reading of different blogs and books mm-hmm. in order to make the changes in my personal finances. And so I've been sharing those with others. So between reading books, listening to podcasts, reading blogs, et cetera, et cetera. And is there an author or a genre of books, podcasts that you prefer to subscribe to more in the financial world than others? Yes, I listen to a lot of personal finance blogs. I read a lot of personal finance books. Um, there's a lot of other, like investing and mortgage and etc. Like other financial books that are out there uh, that I have on occasion read, but I, I really focus on the personal finance side because there's a lot of tips that are given in order to encourage you to, you know, budget properly, spend wisely, and invest for the future. 
Like many people in our generation, we tend to accumulate an exceeding amount of debt, whether it be paying back student loans, life expenses, etc. What is the number one rule of paying off debt in your experience? So, the number one rule of paying off debt is making sure that you always pay your minimum payment first. Once that's paid and it's not paid late, you can add on whatever amount of money that you have access to onto your debt that's you know still within your budget in order to help your debt payoff process. Um, debts and credit are intertwined in a sense that if you're paying off your debt well, you will build your credit because you're showing um, the banks that you're able to manage your debt and they might you know give you access to you know a higher amount of debt or a different type of um, credit, for example, like a line of credit. Um, but it's really important to make that minimum payment because late payments actually show up on your credit report and can hinder maybe if you're trying to rent an apartment, et cetera, et cetera. Because I find that like in school, you know, in high school, especially if you're taking a comm class, you know, career and life management class, they never really teach you about debt. <laughs> they don't. They don't teach you about debt. It's all trial and error as you get older. What is something you wish they, if, if, if anything, out of what we've learned in our, you know, in our young adult life, in our mid-adult life about debt, um, what is one thing you would think, you would say would be on the curriculum for high school education while teaching in these comm classes? So I would say there's like three major things that should be on there. How to budget, how to spend, because those two are not the same, <laughs> and how to manage credit and debt, um, and what credit actually is. I remember my first week of university, and when I walked in, you know, it was frost week, they had all the activities set up, and there was a table, get a free t-shirt if you sign up for this credit card. Now, at the time, I didn't sign up for the credit card because I knew better, because why would I just sign up for a credit card just so I could get a t-shirt? But, you know, that is often pushed there, and a lot of students, they don't know anything about credit, how they're going to manage credit. They just think, oh, it's a card with free money, I can spend whatever I want. Right. And then there's repercussions afterwards when you get that bill, and you're like, oh no, I actually have to pay this back? Oh. Wow, I have to make minimum payments. What do you mean that there's twenty percent interest on this credit card? Like, how do I? How do you? And that's the thing too. I found like with my struggles with debt, is sure I would pay the minimum balance, but what catches you is that twenty percent interest. So you think that like for me, like I know in my in my naivety of you know, paying my credit card, I'm like, oh, I'm paying the minimum balance. But then that 20% interest is like, I don't feel like I'm making a dent in this at all. Like, I feel like this is a stinky thing that we don't think about at all. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because, as I mentioned earlier, it's paying off the minimum debt and then adding extra to that minimum payment because that's the only way you're actually going to pay off that debt faster. So, for example, say you've paid off all your debt, but you still want to use a credit card or a line of credit or some type of credit. In order to avoid having to pay that interest monthly, whenever you get your credit card statement, they usually give you about a 21-day grace period 
um, to allow you to actually pay that full balance back before you're actually charged the interest. So if you're actually able to pay off whatever amount you spent on that card monthly um, before that grace period is up, then you don't actually have to worry about the interest that you would have to pay. Mm-hmm. And that 21-day grace period, that's another thing they don't really... They don't tell you about that. No. I know that, like, you know, applying for, for like, a minimum balanced credit card, right? Like, if you're reestablishing your credit or if you're a student getting a new credit card, you're like, let me get a low balance credit card. But nobody tells you about that grace period. So then you get to, like, I owe $400, for example, on this credit card. I want to pay it off. Crap. Like, September 11th is uh, is up. I didn't pay it, but it's like, no, you actually have till like September 30th to pay this amount before right. if any, right? And they don't really tell you that unless you ask and nobody thinks to ask because you're just like, oh, it's a credit card. Like, as long and as I mean, people actually read the fine print too. Yeah, because now electronically, you know, signing up, you're just like, okay, I signed up, I'm approved and all this stuff. I can start building my credit, but nobody's like, What's actually going on here? <laughs> That's right. What is the common misconception about budgeting and fixing finances? I think the common misconception is the fact that people think that budgeting is restrictive in the sense of that it won't allow you to do what you actually want to do with your money, when it's actually the opposite. <laughs> budgeting actually allows you to choose where you want to put your money so that it's actually going towards the things you actually want it to go to. So, for example, say I am a huge foodie. I love you know going to different restaurants, food trucks, all of that stuff. So I actually have a budget set aside for when I'm going out because because that's something I really like to do. It's going to be higher than some other categories in my budget. So you know I make sure there's enough <laughs> to buffer. So if this friend calls or that friend calls. I have what I need in order to, to go out. It's not going to up my whole budget when I need to pay for other bills or other things that might come up along the way. In your expertise and in your trial and error of budgets, what does like a what does your like dream budget look like? If anyone is like if I had a if I'm working on my mood board, I'm working on my vision board, what should my budget look like? like sections all the things like should it be like that should it be like a vision board being like okay for my career I'm spending x amount on clothes or lunch for the week for my house I'm spending this for this and this and that right like work it like for me I would work it like a vision board this is how I want them to look so there's a lot of like different budgeting rules and strategies that exist there's like the 50 30 20 rule there's like the cash envelope rule i think one of the most important things to remember when you're budgeting is to make sure that you are make sure your needs are covered and then you start saving investing and then you also plan for the quote-unquote fun stuff or other essentials that you might need along the way i think what ends up happening is we forget about the fun stuff that we know we're going to want to do. And by the time um, we realize that there's no more money left. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making a plan ahead of time, you know, something's coming up in a couple of months, putting like say $50 aside every month so that by the time that event happens or comes around, you actually have the money put aside for it and it's not going to affect that specific month's budget or that specific week's 
budget and you've already planned for it. What advice in terms of budgeting would you give to those living, let's say, paycheck to paycheck? Because we live right now, inflation, all-time high. (laughs) Our generation is trying to figure this out, right? Like, because this is in our lifetime... We've dealt with like a thousand years worth of everything at once, including COVID, right? So for those struggling and living paycheck to paycheck, how how would a budget, what would your advice be in terms of that budgeting? Because, you know, for that fear, it's like, okay, six months, I have a trip to, let's say, for, for Alberta, it's like I have a trip to Calgary for a weekend. I know that this weekend is going to cost like $500 because of the things I'm doing but I'm living paycheck to paycheck. How, what would an advice be like for that? So living paycheck to paycheck is, it's it's hard when you're budgeting when that's the case. You know, I grew up in that experience. Um, growing up, um, my mom, often she was living paycheck to paycheck until she was able to get a better job that allowed her to have access to um, more funds. That way she could, save a little bit more, invest a little bit more, etc. So what I would suggest is take a look at your finances because sometimes there might be little areas where you can actually scale back on and you don't realize that you're actually overspending as well as trying to get creative when it comes to your shopping, you know, only buying things on sale when it's possible. Um, And always at least putting a little bit of savings aside, even if it's just $25 a month, um, over time, you'll go back and look at it and like, oh, I actually have close to what my goal might actually be, and it only took this amount of time. Um, there's also a lot of creative ways in order to, for example, try and travel. Um, like there's travel credit cards that where you're able to gain points, so you're not actually having to spend your own physical money. So like on your daily purchases that you're doing, if you're able to manage paying off your debt well, if you're, so you go to the grocery store, you know you're only going to spend maybe $200. So you put it on that card, you pay it off that card even the same day because you already have the money there. You're gaining the points that can then allow you to be able to afford that flight or trip you might want to go on. So it's being really creative with how you're actually budgeting and some of the tools that you're using along the way. We often have patterns of spending. From your experience, where do you think this pattern of spending comes from? Well, there's a few places that I'm <laughs> sure it comes from. Some of it is like generational, as in, in the sense of what you see growing up. Um, my background is Caribbean, so talking about mon- money is very taboo. <laughs> it's not a popular conversation. So, you know, it's often hard to ask those questions. It was, it was hard asking those questions growing up and trying to get an answer of what to do. And sometimes... You know, your parents just may not know better. They're doing the best they can, right? So there's watching how your parents spend money or those around you spend money. There's also FOMO, fear of missing out. Yes. So you see your friends doing this. You know, there's the peer pressure. Peer pressure. You also want to be involved in it. So I think right now in this generation, I think that's the biggest drive um, that's affecting people's finances because they don't want to miss out. Especially being locked up for two years, you're just like, oh, I want to do all the things. I want to, like, right. I want to, you know, travel more and, and see more and do more. It's funny, I, um, in my regular nine to five job, I, I did get a new job and 
I, you know, it, it, it is that, you know, you, you bump up a little bit so that you can afford and have the funds to do more things, but then you realize, like, oh, I'm doing a lot more things, which is fine, and I'm comfortable yeah. with it, like, I'm not struggling with it, which is, thank God, because I was in that, you know, paycheck to paycheck sort of situation prior to the new job, but, you know, now when you're like, oh, I feel comfortable with this, you're like, you still, I think I still have a bit of that, um, a bit of that, you know, leftover trauma of worry, of that, like, those scars of, like, I don't want to have too much fun because what if I'm still at that point where I get back to it and I'm paycheck to paycheck, right? So I find, like, it's breaking, it's slowly, you don't want to, like, completely, like, break that sort of, like, you're okay now cycle, right? Versus, like, let's just go buck wild and spend all this money that I have, right? Because you work hard for it and and it goes back to that that budgeting and that planning of like, okay, I'm in this new bracket where I can afford and I'm okay and I'm not crying and I'm not stressed out about money because, you know, mortgage, life, payments, we, we do all the things. But then you, you're like, but I can give myself that, you know, that time where I can get a $5 coffee once a week now, right? And it's that sort of, yeah, but I also have a French press that I can use and now it's just collecting dust, right? So it's one of these things of of breaking and sort of also maintaining that mindset of like, you want to be okay at the end of the day because you don't want to go back to paycheck to paycheck, right? So it's kind of like this, like, too much too soon, but also like, it's okay to have fun a little bit. Absolutely. That's actually something that I've struggled with and still struggle with. Um, They call it the scarcity mindset in a sense of like once you've gone through that phase where, you know, money was very scarce, trying to get out of that, I need to save, I can't enjoy life, that type of mindset is very hard to break because you still feel like as you described, like, you know, maybe something might happen again. Um, So it's really having those conversations with yourself saying, okay, I've gotten to a place where I'm actually doing better with my money. Um, I'm making more. I can put things aside now to plan for whatever might now come up in the future. I'm going to treat myself and I and I can do this because I'm actually doing all the things that I'm supposed to do in order to prepare myself for if something happens in the future. And I appreciate the fact that you mentioned that you know you were able to get a new job. That's the other part of what happens when you're living to paycheck even after you've trimmed, I guess, all the fat off of your budget on your spending, sometimes you're still at the end of your money and the only other option is to either look for a higher paying job or getting a side hustle that you can do on the side that can help bridge the gap for you. And just a reminder to those that like, if you're, if you're paycheck to paycheck and you get a better paying job, keep in mind, taxes are a thing. <laughs> Taxes are a thing because now you're in the higher tax bracket because, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm making X amount of dollars more, but also they're taking out more. So a higher tax, just keep in mind that, yes, you are not paycheck to paycheck any longer if that is the benefit of your job, but also taxes are a real thing. And (laughs) as your pay scale goes up, those taxes go up. So I mean... That's right. Like Rochelle said, you know, save your money. Like, say, 
this, I think it also allows you to save a little bit more. So if you're paycheck to paycheck and your Calgary trip or your Ottawa trip is coming up and it's like, okay, well, I was putting away $25. Now I can put away $50 or I can put away 75, right? Like it just means you can put away a little bit more for the things that you want, trying to maintain that sort of routine that you've built for yourself. And the routine is going to change. Like everything that changes, your routine is going to change a little bit. It's just, it's, it's okay to treat yourself, but it's also okay to save your money. Absolutely. And you kind of mentioned the concept of like the lifestyle inflation that happens once you've gotten that higher paying job. And as you mentioned, there's nothing wrong with cheating yourself, but it's important to make sure you're putting all those systems in place first. So like you're making sure your budget is where it needs to be, you're saving and investing and so that what you need to take care of yourself is covered first. So if anything does happen, you know, you're not now worried and going backwards, even though you've made all this progress. Absolutely. How would you define, we talked about this a little bit, um, you know, from our spending habits, the generational, the generational views that we've had, it comes with also generational trauma of spending. I know that for me, it's the same Caribbean, my parents are Guyanese, Caribbean household, we never really talked about money. We're like, our parents are handling it, right? And then you get older and you're like, nobody told me about property taxes. <laughs> this is also yeah. something they did not teach me about, you know, and in your experience or if from your readings and your blogs, like, how would someone, like, have that conversation about the generational trauma of spending, of budgeting, of finances? So I would start with, you know, acknowledging what the actual trauma is and how it's affecting you. I think once you acknowledge and don't shame yourself about it, um, then you can actually start looking for solutions to try and change whatever pattern it is. Um, There's a book that I really love to read, Atomic Habits, and it teaches you how to create new habits within like a 21-day period and how to break bad habits. And I find that, you know, in order to have in order to start having that conversation it's acknowledging what it already exists and then for example the example you gave with like your parents for example you know it's helping them to start looking at their finances you know almost like in a, a covert type of way so they don't even realize it's happening it's almost like you know you're just asking a question you're curious and then they might you never know they might actually start opening up and you might actually be able to say oh you know i was reading this thing and here's a little suggestion that might help you get rid of that mortgage debt faster or you know just to give them examples in that sense because as you said you know from the caribbean background those conversations are not like a common occurrence like they're very taboo you know you're told not to tell anybody about your your business essentially (laughs) right so you know having those conversations in a way that is unsuspecting (laughs) might be the the way to to, to start having them you know yeah and you know it's okay just to be like you know even from your parents like they can still teach you a lot of things and vice versa like you know my mom will say budget but to her you know, budget is not a spreadsheet. To her, it might be like one of those Danish cookie tins that you just stuff your pins, your needles, and your rolls of money or your, like, rolls of thread in, right? Never a cookie. Yes, I have those. <laughs> yeah, we all have those. 
money is not in there. So if anybody comes looking for it, it is not in there. <laughs> Some people have them under mattresses where they can see them. And it's just wherever you want to keep your money, you keep your money. But like to her, a budget might look like the Danish cookie tin, whereas my budget might look like a spreadsheet, right? So, so a lot of the times it just looks a little different. We talked about this um, when we met in Toronto in May. How would you define generational wealth? My definition of generational wealth is setting up the next generation in a better financial situation than you're currently in. And that could look in a diff- like a bunch of different ways. So for example, it could be something as simple as teaching your kids how to deal with money and how to manage money. It could be making sure that when you pass away, you don't actually have any debt that your next generation is actually going to have to deal with. It could be investing so that the next generation, you actually have some type of inheritance to give them. So people often think that the only way to pass on generational wealth has to do with actual physical money. Like I need to give money to the next generation. But it it could be as simple as changing your um, spending habits in order to make sure that, you know, the next generation sees how they're supposed to use money so that they make better choices. And that's the thing too, and it goes back to that, you know, how do we, how do we cure, how do we fix this generational trauma to make a better generation for our kids, right? And it's never, and being willing to learn and change and grow with it too, I mean, first generation Canadians, we are a lot of the time being like, you can't say that anymore, or, (laughs) you know, learning all the new things, and it's one of these things that's like, okay, how do we work together to make it better so that our next generation, like you said, is better off? And, you know, it could be property, it could be money, it could be all of these things, right? Because for the longest time, being colored, being black, being what people deem other, we didn't have any of that. We didn't have names on any of these properties, didn't have names on banknotes, couldn't have any of that, right? Especially for women, we couldn't own anything unless we got married and proper, literal property of our husband in order to have a bank account, right? So, you know, it's one of these things that's like, we've come such a long way that there's no shame in carrying on the habits that we can break the cycle and learn better ways of doing things. Yeah, that's right. You have first-hand experience in fixing your finances, paying off debt, and creating better spending habits. It does take a toll on your mental health. From your experience, how did you and how do you continue to take care of your mental health while trying to balance the stress of being financially responsible? So I've actually had that repayment burnout in the sense of I was budgeting literally to the last dollar to make sure all my bills were paid and all the debt that I, I wanted to get paid within a specific time period was happening. And it, it came to a point where I wasn't seeing my friends as much. I wasn't going out as much. Um, I was just, it was exhausting. I felt like I wasn't having fun. And a lo- part of that was the fact that I wasn't actually putting into that budget the fun things that I still wanted to do as I was going on that journey. Um, so one of the things that helped me get through that was actually having the conversations with those around me about my goals financially and what I was trying to achieve. So 
it took off the pressure when I said, you know, I'm working towards this, I can't come to this event, but we can still go for a walk and hang out and grab like a Starbucks, which is, you know, $5, $10 compared to us going out to dinner, which could be like upwards of 30 plus dollars. So creating creative ways in order to still make sure you're achieving those budgets, but also so that you can still pay off that debt because that, <laughs> that repayment burnout's real. The beauty, I think, of like having those creative ways does help your mental health as well. I know for me, I love to cook. So, you know, a $100 grocery bill can allow me to invite my friends over and just have a good old bitch session about like, it's hard being an adult. Like, it's very hard being an adult. And it doesn't cost you anything to like cook a good meal and just be with your friends and just watch mindless Netflix because you're using someone else's Netflix account because that is also <laughs> financially responsible and budgeting. <laughs> when leveling up your wealth, what are some hard truths you must face when it comes to finances? One of the major truths that people try- often avoid having this conversation about is preparing for retirement. Yeah. So, and oftentimes, think that retirement is an age retirement is actually a number Mm. it's making sure that you actually have enough either saved or invested so that you can be financially free in order to cover whatever bills you have and whatever needs you have going forward so there's a lot of people now um, within the the fire um, industry which is um, financial independence retire early that you know they have I guess they've spent less depending because there's different types of fire so they've spent less um they've put a lot of money into investing in certain areas in order to be making more money sooner so that they can actually have enough to retire early and so there's people now retiring in their 40s early 50s they're not going to like 65 or even 70 anymore because they've now realized no i may not really like the job that i'm in so yeah and i may not want to get another job I want to go traveling I want to spend more time with family so putting those systems in place in order to meet those goals um because retirement is no joke and if you rely on your sometimes even your pension is not enough if no. you're even able to get a pension <laughs> yeah and whatever you get from the government is is definitely not enough it may not even cover rent especially if you live in an expensive city as well mm-hmm And that's the thing, too. People don't realize, like, 65, sure, but, you know, 65 in 2022 is 55. And you're still young, and you're still doing the things that you want to do. And people, you know, vitality-wise, like, we're living longer. And if it's not going to last you longer, then you're going to be like, do I necessarily want to be a Walmart reader? There's a, I love Walmart readers. I'm not shading them. But sometimes you just don't want to. Sometimes you want to travel Bali and you want to travel Europe, but you can't because you're like, oh, I have to I have to work now because I didn't prepare for that. And, you know, like you said, in Canada, living on a pension, it's not going to get you very far. It's really not. No. And I don't know what inflation is going to look like in 30 years but I don't think it's gonna carry me too too far in 30 years if this year is any indicator of what it's gonna be like in the next 30 years we're gonna be in a lot of trouble yeah yeah if people choose to have kids and want to adopt their fun aunt Lima I am 
available. You guys can adopt me. While we are paying off debt and working on our finances, what do we have to keep in mind about our own well-being? budget may not always balance some life happens you know you might have to go into debt for something because an emergency happened unfortunately and your savings didn't have as much as you would have liked in it the whole when stuff like that happens it's making sure that you accept that it's happened like life is a thing it, things are always going to change but then you have to pivot not allowing it to over overcome you and then just putting those systems back in place to still get yourself back to the place that you were or, in, or into an even better situation. Um, I've had many a budget that didn't balance because literally life yeah. happened. You know, <laughs> the car breaks went. Thankfully, there was a little bit in the, in the savings. But, you know, at the time, this is while we were still paying off the debt. You know, I still had to use the credit card or, you know, so that I could make that repair because I still needed to get to work. Right? Yeah. So, you know, thinking wisely, if this is something that I really need, I wasn't prepared for it, but still, you know, pivoting after that and still trying to get yourself back in check and not derail all the progress and the momentum that you have built over time. We want to be just mindful and easy on ourselves when something is not going right because that's life. <laughs> Honestly, I know that sounds that sounds so harsh, but like it's not going to be perfect and it's really not and we're going to be so hard on ourselves for for every little thing especially when you're budgeting and trying to fix your finances you're going to be hard on yourself so to to be patient with yourself and trust me it, it's going to work out like it's not going to be perfect you can get to a point where you're like okay i got this everything works well, it's fine, I can, I can spend, I can afford, I can save, I can do all the things, but be mindful of your own self and patience and be kind to yourself while doing it because it's not an easy thing. Yeah, it is really important to be kind to yourself because, as you said, it, life really does happen um, and you just have to roll with it. Not like You can try and plan for everything, but... It's like, be ready for the unexpected because really anything could happen at any point. And you have to realize that going through whatever is happening in your life is hard enough, much less now having to deal with your finances. And that's why I often say, like, if you put specific systems in place, it gives you less things to think about while you're trying to put your finances in order. So it's almost as though things are already happening without you even thinking about it. So that when something does happen, you know that, okay, let's recalibrate. You know, I still need to pay off this debt. I was doing well. My process is working. Let me get back to the process. It's going to happen, even if it's going to take a little bit longer. And oftentimes people, they have a time frame of when they want to pay off debt. Sometimes it could be 12 months, but sometimes that's not a realistic expectation. Yeah. So, for example, on my blog, I talk about the fact that um, we had $20,000 plus in debt, and we paid it off over 18 months, right? That's why I had debt repayment burnout, because as much as it was we paid it off in 18 months, a lot of people think that's a short period of time. It felt very long. It was a long happening. time. <laughs> like a long time. You know, it's being realistic so that as you're paying off your debt, you're still enjoying life a little bit 
as you're going through that process or else it's going to become very burdensome very cumbersome and you're going to give up maybe even three months in and that's not something you want to do because if you're really making progress it needs to be sustainable absolutely and you're right like and taking help wherever you can take it even if it's financial help and I know like as a guilt as a first generation you're like I don't want my parents to help me but you know or family members or anything and it's okay to let people help you if they can afford to help you let them help you I same situation like 20k in debt paying it off right couldn't do anything right because you're in that mentality of like I have to pay this off I'm in it now right and you know I was I was able to pay it off and you know just the little help my parents would give pay and still give paying groceries paying doing this doing that for me like you feel that guilt of like I have to take care of you you're not supposed to take care of me now like the roles have changed but to also remember like they don't want you to struggle whoever is in your life and and is there to help you parents friends family whatever it may be whoever it may be they don't want to see you in that burnout they don't want to see you struggle so if you're getting help accept it there's nothing wrong with it absolutely Absolutely. and oftentimes they will if they see that you're making the effort to really get yourself out of the situation they may offer more help than you even ask for you might ask for you know something specific they might give you that plus more whatever whatever that looks like that you need in that situation in order to help you get to that goal a lot faster yeah Rochelle you are a music teacher I cannot let you leave the episode without answering one of my favorite questions what are your top five songs so because i'm a music teacher i just love music in general so trying to find a top five (laughs) song is very very difficult so what i did is i chose actually my top five genres oh i love it love it so my top genre in the order is gospel currently um i sing in a gospel group outside of work and so i listen to a lot of gospel music in my downtime, I like to listen to some classical music to help me focus on whatever I'm doing. Um, when I'm driving in the car, sometimes it's a little bit of conscious reggae, um, a little bit of R&B, depending on the mood, or a little bit of hip-hop, you know? Yeah, you gotta get it done, especially on a Monday morning. If you're driving, I don't know if you drive in the GTA or you take transit in GTA, but I know in Edmonton, I'm like, I need some Dr. Dre this morning. This is the only thing. <laughs> This is the only thing that's going to help me not speed in this traffic because I know that's not going to get me anywhere. Yeah, I drive to work and the traffic here is horrendous. It's awful. Oh, girl, I don't. I don't envy that. I saw this thing on TikTok that's like, you know, you spend an hour, I don't know if you take 401 or whatever else, but if you can make it past the 401 or 4 or something that leads to Markham in one light... And you're on your way. You've made it the rest of the way. And I was like, wow, that's intense. Yep. <laughs> that's See, intense. it's so bad. I avoid taking the 401 going to work. I just drive on the main roads because I actually can get there faster than if I'm sitting in traffic on the 401. That's how bad it is. Rochelle, where can the listeners find you for a consultation or for tips? Where can they reach out to you? So I'm very active on Instagram. So the best place to find me is on Instagram. My blog, the link to my blog is there as well. But what you could do if you're interested in a 
consultation, you can send me a DM and tell me that you've heard me on the podcast, and then I'll know what I need to help you with. Awesome. I will put the details of where to contact Rochelle in the description of this episode so you can reach out to her for a consultation and tips. Rochelle, I want to thank you so much for sitting down with me, taking the time out to talk to me about finances. I wanted to start this episode off because we have so many things happening. Christmas, kids are back to school already. Everybody's done with their trips and they're trying to save money and they're trying to go on those Christmas trips, those New Year's trips. So I wanted to do this episode just as a fun reminder about finances. And they are hard. They are messy, as is life but just to take it easy. And there are so many resources out there to help you with it. And remember, our parents didn't know it. If you're of our generation of the millennial, if our parents had no idea, we're not going to have any idea because they don't teach us this stuff in school. So wherever we can learn it, take advantage of it. Talk to financial advisors, read books, blogs, whatever you're looking for, there's always something out there. And Michelle, thank you again so much for sitting down with me. Thank you for having me. Thank you, listeners. Thank you for listening to What's Your Hustle, created, produced, and hosted by yours truly, Halima Hussain. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at What's Your Hustle Podcast. Subscribe, listen, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. Follow on Spotify, as well as anywhere else you stream podcasts. And until next time, whatever your hustle is, you got this.